Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Jeremy Smith. It's another blue-flavoured week, but at least it's not got us feeling blue at the very least, and <laughs> at least we're still kicking, unlike some in uh, football at the moment. <laughs> All on the international break and more after the latest headlines. France managed a solid 2-0 victory in their first friendly of the international break against Wales. Goals from Antoine Griezmann and Olivier Giroud sealed victory, with the latter notching his 29th goal for Les Bleus, moving him 7th on their all-time list. However, the Arsenal man has pulled out of the squad ahead of their game with Germany on Tuesday with a thigh injury. In Liga, Christian Gorkouf has been fired as Ren manager. The former Algerian boss was relieved of his duties on Tuesday, replaced by former French international and Ivory Coast manager Sabri Lamucci. Marseille have also cancelled the contract of Patrice Evra. The former Manchester United, Juventus and Monaco man has also been fined €10,000 and been handed a seven-month suspension from UEFA after kicking a fan before Loem's Europa League clash against Vittoria de Gourmesh. And that's all for the news. But remember, to stay up to date with your latest French football news, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week in the Stade de France, where France put on a solid display with a few new faces and a few nice standout performers. Um, let's start off with the game first, Rich. Uh, how did they fare against a, a sturdy opponent in in Wales? I think by and large, actually, they performed really well. Um, I think there were a, a couple of, as you say, a couple of standout performances. I thought Mbappe certainly had one of his better games. Um, didn't look like the sort of slightly more selfish player, I think, we've, we've, we've seen him become at times since his move to PSG. He seemed very much a case of, you know what, when he, he could spy the opportunities of when to get his head down and run with the ball, but also then spied the opportunities when to to get the ball out of his feet and, and, and passed along. Um, I thought Tolisso is looking every bit um, an international quality player. I thought his ball through for the, um, I think it was for the opening goal, the Griezmann goal. Some real quality, some real, real, you know, really good vision from from the player, um, and then yeah, then there were the the, the sort of newer faces. Um, we had Pavard and Zonzi come on at half time. Um, Zonzi didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's very difficult, I think, in that kind of position to um, to sort of look like you know you've contributed well. It's it's quite it is a you know notoriously difficult position to to sort of noticeably flourish in. Uh, but you know he did his job um, and and didn't look too uncomfortable on his on his debut, and then Pavon came on at right back, um, slotted in fairly seamlessly. To be perfectly honest, you know got forward. Um, he had a shot that I believe that hit the post. Um, he looked very comfortable. I think you know if I'm Deschamps, I'm, I'm putting him putting him in for the start for the game against Germany. I think with with such a a dire um, depth in quality at right back. You know, you've got a right back there who's shown that they're young, they're hungry, put him in from the start against Germany. Um, and then I suppose the other one then was Martial. Um, he was brought in quite late. 
Uh, was it just beyond the 70th minute, I think? Um, it was always going to be difficult, I think, for him to, to show what he's all about um, with only a sort of 20 minutes or so. But, you know, he looked lively on the ball, um, looked like he had something to prove, only had 20 minutes to prove it in. But I'm, I'm certainly hoping that the Germany game, he gets he gets a little longer. But all in all, I thought it was a really solid performance. I think players who perhaps needed to perform did. Um um, TT again, you know, real, real solid performance um, at the back. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. It's, it was a really, really good, solid performance. And, and Jez, they reverted more to what we saw in that year 2016 run with with more of a 4-2-3-1 with Giroud starting, with the Griezmann sort of playing around him. Um, and... The Arsenal man obviously got his big goal that that puts him seventh in the list. What did you think to his performance and that sort of change in shape that allowed um, Griezmann, who has a, a relatively slow start to the season, to flourish a little bit more around him? Um, I think it's always worked well with the two of them. Um, it's been said so many times sort of in the context of just discussing Giroud and obviously discussing a certain other striker who isn't in the squad what Giroud brings and again I don't think anyone in the world probably would dispute that Giroud's uh, in terms of sort of footballing ability um, you know chances of him sort of dribbling round four players and uh, you know curling it into the top corner or anything like that that's not going to happen but he does something that no one else does he's excellent at holding um, the ball up um, you know he he occupies the center backs with his physical strength and he's the perfect with with the type of other strikers that france have got players like griezmann and martial you know fekir depending on who's playing the kind of players who who are are skillful speedy uh, maybe better at, at finding space he's a perfect sort of uh <laughs> it's a weird analogy but a sort of you know a planet for the others to orbit around He's the focal point, and he can bring the others into the game with his hold-up play. Um, and the, also, the bottom line is his his scoring record. Um, you know, you can the, those who are sort of not his biggest fans would argue, or you know, yet again it was a you know it was a lucky deflection off off the defender's bum, or you know, there's always something apparently. But the, the bottom line is he scored, I think. Is it eight goals this calendar year? Eight in nine starts, something like that. And you can't argue with that. That's what you want. That's what you need from a striker. And, you know, people, every every Ekip review seems to be, he didn't really do much. He didn't get much service, but he scored. Well, that's his job. So I'd much rather he did nothing all match um, and came away with a goal or two than, um, you know, ran rings around everyone but didn't put the ball in the back of the net at the end of it um you know we talked about sorry um rich mentioned martial another player who came on is lacazette who um is another one who obviously would be mentioned in the same sentence as Giroud, um because he's now at the same club as well as one of his kind of rivals in the france team he hasn't always been given the best opportunities for france as as deschamps has admitted before but bottom line is 15 caps, one goal. Um, however many 
chances he gets, whether he's starting, whether he's coming on as a sub, unfortunately, he has to do better than he's doing um, with the chances he's getting. Giroud is doing that. Lacazette sadly hasn't yet. And even on on Friday against Wales, I agree, Martial looked, looked bright. I thought Fekir looked okay. Lacazette really didn't do anything in the time that he was on. Yeah, it was a bit of a tough one. I, I always think that, the, especially at least for France, the Giroud argument is similar to the ones that we hear for at club level, at least for for the likes of Cavani and, and Lukaku. Of they go, well, they don't really do much. They're not really having great games, but they end up scoring plenty of goals. I don't know what else you really want from your striker. They want them to do a, a million and one things and look flashy while doing it, while scoring millions of goals. Nowadays, it seems it seems that uh, the burly strong forward has to do even extra to impress her in the modern game. But, it, Rich, I wanted to talk about the midfield, really. It was an interesting one, given that pretty much the two expected starters, at least, in Pogba and, Con- and Conte were were missing, obviously, through through injuries. They went with Tolisso and Matuidi. They, uh, like I said, they, they moved to more of that 4-2-3-1 that they showed in the, uh, in the European Championships. But, is there still maybe little space there for someone in behind? I mean, you did mention, obviously, Tolisso putting his name forward as someone that would certainly be contending with those two. But is is that maybe somewhere where, in especially in the game against Germany, someone can, can stake the claim? I absolutely think so. Um, I think since, since I'm a big, big fan of Tolisso's, I think since he's come into the squad, he's he's barely put a foot wrong. Um, you know, I mentioned previous question that he, he's obviously now very clearly, you know, getting better every game he's playing for France, it seems. Um, you know, the move to Munich seems to be paying off. Um, so all in all, I think I think Tolisso is, is making a big, big claim for, you know what, if, if there's a slight change of formation or certainly if there's a worst case scenario, there's a there's a suspension or injury. He's he's in there. He absolutely is in there. He's he's performed at a very very high level now, for for consistently quite a long time, uh, both club and now starting to get that at international level as well. Um, I mean, Matuidi will seemingly always be there. You know, he is a he's he's very much it seems now that uh, one of you a, a Deschamps man um, that he will turn to, and you know, now I think what you have to accept is. You're not going to get the Matuidi that we saw three or four seasons ago, where he was just a, a brilliant maniac on the pitch. He was just all over the place and just never ever stopped running. I think it's a slightly more now as he's got a little older. Um, so I think that that could work to France's advantage. Though, oh yeah, because, yeah. Because um, he sort of lacked the disciplined no one knew where he was going to be so it meant that the other midfielders didn't know where they were going to be if he's going to play a more sort of restrained role then at least the others might have a fighting chance of knowing whether they should be sticking or twisting absolutely and i think then the other player then obviously is, is rabio but you're asking him then if you're going to be telling him we want you to play a bit deeper uh, a bit more defensively minded you're asking him to play a role that he's been quite vocal about is is not a preferred role now whether it's a case of you just telling well if you want to play you'll play where we tell you um and you take the risk you're not going to get the best from him but i suppose it's whether he's worth that kind of a gamble um we have seen at times um 
you know, just what a what a quality player he can be. But that's generally going forward. Um, I, I still think there's there's work to be done on his defensive duties. So asking him to play in a in a slightly deeper role, um, you know, while other midfielders can play in a more advanced role get the best out of Rabio. It's whether it's as I say, it's whether it's worth that kind of a gamble that you've got that player in the squad that if if a change of shape is needed or a change of tactic is needed, you know, you can deploy him then in a in a slightly more advanced role. But you know, there's there's plenty of other players then, you know, in in the uh, pipeline, so to speak. You know, and Zonzi, as I said before, didn't do a great deal wrong. Um, you know, he's been performing well in Spain for a couple of seasons and now. And then of course you've got Bakayoko, um, who's been quite vocal this week in saying, you know, he's disappointed that he wasn't in this squad, that he feels that the players in the squad are certainly no no worse than him. Than him. Um, so, you know, he's got a point to prove. Um, I do think he's got something to offer the squad. Um, he has the most difficult task to do because I think he has to... He's got a lot of convincing, I think, to do with Deschamps. You know, we've spoken before um, that, um, you know, Deschamps remembers things and, and is willing to forgive, um, but doesn't necessarily always forget. And, of course, you know, Bakayoko didn't have the greatest of debuts in a friendly, I think it was against Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's probably got the most difficult task to do because I think he's got to try and really convince Deschamps. You know, he's he's the outsider at the minute because he's not in the squad. He's got to up his game and and prove, actually, you know what, I am better than somebody that you've got in that squad. So he's got the toughest job to do. But there's certainly plenty of options there for Deschamps. Um, it, it's just juggling around and making sure you're getting the, both, the, the best sorry, squad because it's very difficult, I think, to cram that midfield with some really good players. But you'd be playing them perhaps not in their best best position. Well, the interesting thing I think to to switch the formation at this point was it was a good move for a number of different ways. I think one of the main reasons he might have done it is seeing, or at least before his injury, how Pogba did at Manchester United in more of a two man midfield with someone who is more defensive minded and as Kante can be as much as Matic has been for Manchester United that he can really play in that role if there's someone creative behind him because it does open the door for players like Fekir who can push Griezmann in that role because he's having such a fantastic season. And then they still have the flexibility of a player like Tolisso if they need to play a 4-3-3 and play that way. It gives them so much more options. And I'm really intrigued by this sort of midfield battle. I mean, and Zonzi obviously got his chance in this one. I think Bakayoko will get a chance um, at some point, surely. Rabio didn't even come in in this game. He's been excellent the last sort of season and a half. I'm also thinking of, of a dark horse like... Um, uh, a name that's been in the wilderness for a long time, in, in Jeffrey Condogbia, who's had a fantastic start to the season for Valencia, who's been a real engine. Um, I know it's... Go ahead. Can I add another name that Go Rich ahead. might like? What about um, Dekure as well, who's been superb for Watford so far this year? Yeah, yeah. They're all a very similar style of midfielder, aren't they? I, I think at the moment, at least anyway, they're more um, engaging. They're, a lot of the time in the past, we would have thought of Decore and, and Kondogbia, especially as more defensive-minded midfielders. But both are scoring goals. Both, both are a, contributing more to attacking player and, and might be in consideration. I mean, if they're playing someone like Giroud, they're really struggling for a, a person that's similar to them. I know they played, they tried Gignac at the last tournament, but 
Sebastian Aller at, at Eintracht Frankfurt scored uh, five in his last four games, I believe. I might be the other way around, but he, he's got a really good goal at the weekend as well. Um, he's a similar sort of frame. He's someone who's had a lot of assists at Utrecht as well because he brought players in around him. Maybe he's someone they think about in the future because of his size, because of his similarness to, to Giroud to give them that extra option if they need it, along with the you know the Lacazettes, the the other players that we that they're looking at striking options. They they've got an interesting little mix of players that are all kind of a little bit in form. Uh, they've they've still got a great amount of young players and, and bits like that. It's a it's a really interesting experiment, especially going into this game against Germany uh, on well, tomorrow night, which should be a real interesting one. Is there anyone you would like to see really start this one? Um, Jez, especially if they didn't make anything in the, in the last game. I mean, I'm looking at players like Kimpembe didn't play. I mentioned Rabiot as well. Uh, Tovan had a very, very brief appearance. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'd like to see... The rumours are that they could that Griezmann might not start either and that um, they might start with a front three of um, Mbappe, Lacazette and, and Martial. Um, I think Lacazette probably deserves a chance to start again in the centre, but I do think it's his last chance to impress. Um, at the same time, I'm a bit torn because I'd like to see Mbappe get a go in the centre. Um, I definitely want to see Martial start on the left. I think he's really earned um, the right to, to to start again for France and see what he can do or prove what he can do. Um, and the, the other one I'd like to see start is Fekir, but again, it's there's so many players and only a certain number of positions to fit them into. Um, so I would have liked to see him start, but if he carries on his form, whether he starts or not, I think he's probably going to be okay in terms of the squad. Tolisso, I don't think needs to start because as Rich said, I think he's, he's basically played his way into the squad. Um, and actually I, I thought there was an interesting quote from him after the match against Wales, where he said that his preferred formation is playing in a two-man midfield, which I I would have put money on him saying three-man. So I wonder if that's a bit of kidology, just to sort of emphasise his importance to the squad even more. Um, yeah, Kimpembe would be uh, it would be good to see him get a chance. Um, I think Varane's going to start this time, so it just depends whether um, Deschamps wants to. Um, sort of give Varane and Titi a go together, seeing as they're sort of two of the the three most likely candidates to start, and and the other two have already played together against Wales. Um, so I think maybe Kimpembe might have to wait at least till half time to to get a go. Um, and then fullbacks, I agree with Rich. I think Pavar Pavar deserves a chance to start. I thought he played. I thought he was more impressive than Jalay. On, on Friday night. Um, I'm still not sure that the best right-backs are even in that squad, but it's still slim pickings, unfortunately, in that position. Um, and left-back isn't much better. I think that, yeah, the most intriguing um, changes, I think, will be in, in the forward line. Yeah, I think that's where they've got the most chance to mix it up. And I mean, Rich, you may look at this one on paper, France-Germany, it's a, it's a possible barn burner, it's a possible... Um, real clash for both sides to really test their battle against a similar level, if not potentially superior level side. You might think in the Germany, obviously being world champions, it's what a lot of 
a lot of teams seem to want these sort of competitive games, but it's probably more likely to be a tester for new talent. Is that a chance for France to maybe show Germany a little bit of, of something, given that they might be... I know it's difficult to say, really, because they've a fantastic uh, wealth of talent themselves. But maybe a slightly uh, un, un, under strength, would you say, Germany? I know it's a hard thing to say, but um, I think there's, there's certainly there's certainly a chance for a, a French victory here. I think what they've got to do is is there's going to be new face, you know, newer faces, shall we say, in that starting eleven. What they have to do is come out all guns blazing. They have to see this as right. Well, we've got such few opportunities now to, to make a case for, for a World Cup spot, every opportunity has to be taken. And, you know, a game against, be it a friendly game, albeit against, a, as we've said, a perhaps not full-strength German side, but it's still a game champions. You know, that's that's the kind of game to now in the World Cup where you you play yourself into serious, serious contention. So... You know, if, 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 you know, Lacazette, Martial, if these guys are, are getting a starting role, they have to see that and think, right, OK, we've got 60 minutes here to potentially make or break World Cup chances. Uh, and so they have to view it in, in that way. They have to see that as this is a, you know, this is our job interview, if you like. We've got to go out there. We've got to perform at our highest level. Um, we've we've basically got to show we have what it takes for to be picked for that World Cup squad. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be a it should be a good game. Um, and as I say, it's going to be very interesting. I think to see how some of these slightly um, uh, slightly newer faces can can get on. Yeah, it'll be a really interesting one. Our final little bit on this one is is something I've sort of cocked up for when we. Uh, when we do more international weeks, obviously we won't have another one until around March time, but with the World Cup sealed, at least, well, in terms of getting there, at least anyway, not the tournament yet, um, I thought we'd have a look at and predict what we think might the first starting eleven be once we get around to that tournament. So we'll, we'll do a selection here. Um, when the tournament is drawn, which I think is in January, from my knowledge, it's, it's not on an international break from memory. Um, we'll do another one then. We'll do another one sort of March time and then just before the tournament as the sort of season comes to an end domestically. So I'm going to try and keep this as, as quick as we sort of can. So I'm, I'm going to give you options more than anything. Um, so we'll start with our formation and I'll start with you, Jez. 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3? Um... I'm going to be difficult and say I don't think it makes much difference. That's, that's um, fair enough. <laughs> that is an answer allowed to be had. Um, Rich? I would probably fall slightly more on 4-2-3-1. 4-2-3-1. I am also going to go with 4-2-3-1, so that's the one we've settled on. Um, our goalkeeper, I'm pretty sure this will be pretty unanimous. Uh, Jez? Loris. Rich? Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I asked that question, to be fair. Loris is in our goal. Of course, he is. Who else would we have? Uh, some might argue, but I doubt it. Um, the difficult ones, really. So I'm going for the left back and the right back, the full backs. This is probably going to be the toughest part of the whole test. And I'll start with you, Rich, this time. Who's your? Who do you think will be left back and right back? Um, if he can be back in time and get enough games in, Mendy left back. Um, uh, if not... <laughs> it's not. It's, it's probably. Well, it's, it's probably going to be Kazawa, but I think he's got some consistency issues to 
to get a grasp of first. Right back, it, I suppose it depends what Pavard does over these next few games. Um, if he can impress, hopefully, against Germany. The options are so small there, so few there. Um, I, I, I saw glimpses from Pavard that makes me think, actually, you know what? He could be a bit of an outside bet. Um, it, it's probably going to be Sidibe, but uh, I, I'll use a bit of a wild card here and say, you know what? I think Pavard could could sneak in. Jess? Um, left back, I agree, I think. If if he can get back to, to full fitness, it's got to be Mendy. If not, I think it could be close between Dini and Kozawa. I mean, Din Kozawa has, for him, the disadvantage of playing regularly, <laughs> whereas Dean doesn't play regularly, but he did quite well for France, the last two qualifiers. So I think he gained a few points there. So I think Kozawa needs to, you know, when it, whenever he plays for France, he needs to be faultless. Um, right back. I think it will be Sidibe. Um, I agree Pavar's made a good case. I would still personally go for either Suke or Amami Toure if, he's, if he gets French nationality in time, but both of them seem unlikely. Mm, I like the... the uh, not thought about Suke. He's had a fantastic season as well, saying that Nice have been pretty dire. I think he's been a... A good little player, and he's a very good attacking option as well as a defensive option as well. It might be something that he might consider in March if he does continue our years. I, I think we'll go with Mendy. I think he was. I think he was pre-selected for the last squad. I'm still not entirely sure what exactly that means, but yeah. But I'm also thinking that if he's the starting right back for Nice to the point where Jale is playing left back, yet Jale still thinks for the for the national team. So. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to say there, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I'll agree with both of you. I'll put Mendy as our left-back. I think he just about makes it in time, I think. I think he'll he, it, supposedly he should be, uh, if he's on track, around about April time. So, we hopefully, we'll be back for them. Um, and I, I, I'm I begrudgingly saying Sidibe will be the sort of safe option they go for in, in the end. Uh, safe being in incredibly inverted commas because he is not <laughs> safe in the slightest. But <laughs> that's the one that I think the I think Deschamps will go for, and I think we all are in agreement. There's not really a, a right back that definitely stands head and shoulders above him enough to really oust him from that spot. Um, centre backs then, and I'll start with uh, you, just Who are you two centre backs? I would, on current form, I would say. Definitely in TT and a another, um, and I guess it have to be um, for the experience as well. Koscielny um, or Varane. Um, I think Deschamps will go if everyone's fit, and if everyone's fit, I think he'll he'll still start with Koscielny and Varane. But I'm just not sure about the two of them together. Um, I still think Koscielny's a bit accident prone, and I still think. I'm still a bit disappointed that Varane never became the, the greatest centre-back in the world, that he looked like he had the potential to become. Um, I will go Varane and Titi, ideally, but I don't think it's going to happen. Rich? Um, I think, yeah, I'd go that pairing as well. Um, I think Titi has done enough now to, to make him pretty, I, I would argue he's probably the, the first choice centre-back. And I'm starting to come around to the idea that I think Deschamps is, is almost thinking that as well. Um, 
And so I would think it's going to come down between Koscielny and, and Varane. I like Kimpembe. Um, I think one player that's on, been unfortunate to have missed out is Zuma. Um, really, really great to see him back. Mentioned before, at least he would offer, give you a, 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 perhaps a, a slightly left-field alternative for the right-back cover. Um, I'd quite like to see him make the squad, but in terms of the first-choice pairing, I'd probably go Varane and, and uh, Umtiti. Yeah, I, I think I've been outvoted in that one. I probably would have just had Kishoni over Varane. Not for personal terms. I'm I'm thinking Deschamps will probably pick him, but uh, we'll go with Umtiti and Varane. I think that's, that would be the partnership I would pick. I think that's a nice combination of two solid defenders, ability to play out of the back. Both have a good pace as well if they are uh, tested by some of these uh, great attacking players. I, I think that's ideal. Um the midfield two, then. I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be pretty synonymous as well. Uh, Rich? I almost don't want to say it, but it's it's it's, it's going to be uh, Kante and Pog. But I really don't want to say it. I really want to say it to But I'm going to say it. I, I, <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, would, I would love it to be Taliso and I'd love it to be Taliso and Pogba. Um because I that think would Tal- be mental. <laughs> Taliso, I think, can still give you that element of defensive cover. Mm. Um, I think that's the that's it, my one issue with Kante is he's very one-dimensional. And that one dimension is fantastic. And I, I I have you know things telling me that in that position you only want a one-dimensional player. But I just think in this modern day, maybe that one dimension can have a few little things added onto it. Maybe Taliso could give you that. I can make a claim that Bakayoko does that as well. Uh, but it's it's, not, it's, Kante, it's going to be Kante and Pogba. Jess? Uh, I think Deshaun will pick Kante and Pogba. Honestly, I know I'm asking for a lynching. I, was cur- I would go Kante Taliso. Hmm. I, still, I still think, I know that when he wants to, he can win a match by himself. But the problem is, I still think that his head needs pricking massively. I still think that Pogba underperforms more often than not for France. And even if it's just to give him a bit of a kick up the arse, I think Tolisso's done so well. I have no issues with him starting. And Kante, I'm not sure. I don't entirely agree that he's one-dimensional, but I do think he does that that job of protecting the defence very well. So I'm happy with him in that role. And if need be, you know, depending on how matches go, I can't. I do think he's capable of pushing forward as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy, this one, especially from a Deschamps point of view, that it'll be Pogba Kante. And I, I'm, yeah, there's so much. That I, I mix Rabio in there as well. He's probably unfortunate. They've, they've got a few really good midfielders, but you mentioned it perfectly. Rich, I always think this was the same argument I used to have with uh, with Wayne Rooney and the England team for the longest time until obviously his, his more recent decline in the last sort of two, three years is that if you have a player that can transform a game in your favour on one occasion, even if it maybe is only one in every five, if he can turn a game on its head, you have to play that kind of player every game because they are so rare in modern football to have a player that can do it on his own that you have to play a player like that. and That's uh, the quandary, but he really does it so rarely for France. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I don't disagree with that. I don't think he has really done it for France really yet. But you just have that feeling that obviously he's, he's only still 
what, 20, 23, 24 is Pogba now? 25, almost? He's he's just about coming to that age where he's, at, especially this season at Manchester United, before he got injured as well, he was much, much better than he was at, at points last season. And uh, hopefully, for France at least, uh, he can show it again at the World Cup in the big stage. So, the front three, without the striker at least, so I'll need two wingers and a well, attacking midfielder on this one. And I'll start with you, Jez. Who are your three in our um, attacking midfield? Um, I mean, Griezmann's got to start in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it feels so unfair because I would love to crowbar Fekir into the team somehow, but Griezmann absolutely earns and has earned the starting place there. And the wingers, I just, I really think it depends on who's the most in form um, and fit come June. I think Mbappe is, um, surely is, is sort of ahead of the queue now on, on the right-hand side. Um, but then you start thinking, well, where does Dembele play then? Um, if Martial carries on having a great season, then I think he's going to push himself very much into the mix. I think it's going to be between those three. I mean, I'm just praying that it's not Payet somehow. But um, I think it will be between those three. <sighs> I would maybe by the time of... Um, by the summer, I'd say maybe Mbappe on the left, Dembele on the right with, with the... Um, I think both of them have enough ability that they could could swap if need be. Rich, but I worry that Deshaun might start with Coman. Mm. <laughs> Rich, um, yeah, I'd go Mbappe left. I'd go Dembele right. If if I'm playing, if I'm not playing, a spoiler, I suppose. If I'm not playing Giroud, then I would probably play Fekir there with Griezmann as as the central striker. Um, but I probably think that's not going to happen. So it's it's going to be Griezmann there. Um, mm. I think the only the, I think the only thing you perhaps lack by having Mbappe and Dembele with Griezmann in between them and then Giroud up front is perhaps you do lack that sort of Fekir could bring and. I'm not saying I'm picking him, but what an informed Payet would have previously brought is that creativity, that little bit of vision. You know, Griezmann's fantastic at running and nowadays. Um, and obviously Mbappe and Dembele, you've got raw pace, raw skill flying down the, the, the flanks. You lack that, perhaps that little bit of intricacy, that little bit of trickery. Um, now now you said that, now I feel bad. I forgot Lamar. <laughs> well, that's I the thing. Where is, that name would go. There's going to there's going to be some really really top quality players who who not only miss out on a starting place but miss out on the squad entirely. Um, you know, previously I thought Lamar was a certainty. He's been you know he's had a couple of knocks this season. He's not been anywhere near his best. You know, whether that you, the injuries the injuries have obviously played a part, but a little bit on him as well. Um, but there's, there's going to be some big players that miss out entirely. Um, but if, if I'm if I'm picking the team, Dembele, Coman, uh, sorry, not Coman, Dembele, Griezmann, Mbappe. But I, I think there's an option there of Griezmann playing more advanced and bringing Fekir in, 
who has that ability to, you know, find that you know, nice little killer pass. Mm, yeah, that, that's how I would probably start. Yeah, I think how how you mentioned Rich with uh, Griezmann as a the central attacker and the Fekir in that role, and that they might start that should they Fekir keep playing well and Giroud maybe not play enough for Arsenal to, to merit a starting place. I think I'm in agreement with both of you for that front three. I, I think that they he will pick, the again, the players that can change games, and that's Dembele and Mbappe. Obviously, having players like Lamar and Martial in the, in the back pocket is not a bad thing to have at all. Even Coleman as well, who can add a bit more, well, especially in the case of Lamar, can add a bit more width, more natural width than the, the other ones can, and, and, and more uh, deliveries, especially for a player like Giroud. Um, that might be more it, of a fact to come to that point. I think it is also, you'll get me in rare Marseille complimentary form here, but I think it is unfortunate for Tovan that there are so many good players because I do think, if I'm being entirely fair to him, over the last few seasons, he's not produced it regularly. The, the top form that we know he's got regularly. I think we've started to see that now. Um, you know, he seems to be one of the few Marseille players who've actually turned up at games, um, certainly this season and, and for part, major parts of last season as well. And it's just unfortunate for him that he, he's always been in every single squad. But cumulatively, I, I don't even think, I don't even think he's got an hour of game time cumulative across, I don't know how many squads he's been in, but just never seems to get, the, because there's so many good players. Um, I think he will just go down as one of those unfortunate players to have been, around at a time when there's just a glut in, in that sort of similar positions that he plays in. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a, a real shame. And, and I'm going to safely guess that maybe we might be unanimous, at least in Deschamps' thinking of who will be the man up front. And, and I'll start with you, Rich. You kind of hinted at it anyway. It's, is it Giroud? Uh, it, it would be. It would be. Yeah. I've, got, I've got no issues with him playing. I'm a fan of his for... For France, you know, he he does what's asked of him. You know, he scores goals. That's all I need from him. Ed? Yeah, I mean, definitely in a 4-2-3-1. Um, I think you start with Giroud. 4-3-3, I think maybe it's a slightly weaker argument. But, um, yeah, as long as he keeps doing the business, as long as he keeps fit, I mean, the reason that he's missing this match is because he's sort of not playing week in week out and he had a bit of a, a knock or a twinge they didn't want to uh risk him playing two matches in in four days or whatever it is um so that kind of thing is still an issue but yeah as long as you know given the chance well he takes those chances um the only rivals that i can see really as a real central striker at the moment um i think Haller's a good call but to me, it's really Lacazette or Mbappe. Lacazette, like I said, I think tomorrow will be his last chance. And Mbappe isn't going to get those chances with, with PSG, so we're not going to be able to see enough whether he can play by himself up front. It's going to be an interesting one. That's all sealed, locked away now until the next international break comes and let's see how it might change if they're, if things will. Obviously, things like injuries can happen in between now and then, but they'll be, be interesting to see how form and, and everything else plays into it as we get closer to the World Cup in the summer. But back to domestic news now, really. And Ren have swapped Christian Gorkov, probably finally, at least in, in some people's eyes, for Sabri Lemouchi and, uh, as their manager. And uh, Olivier Letang has also come in and chairman instead of uh, René Ruello. Um, 
let's talk about the reign of Goku first, Rich. And in all honesty, summing it up as a, as a whole, it felt a little bit like deja vu with a lot of recent Ren managers, really, um, didn't it? Uh, just overwhelming, overwhelming sense of being underwhelmed. <laughs> um, uh, just very disappointing, I think, especially the start to this season. Um, you know, last season, when managers are having a season of bedding in, be it that they're a new manager to the team or there's been a, a wholesale um, volume of changes uh, with with play, the playing personnel. Um Last season was disappointing, um, certainly the tail half of the season. Um, and then the start of this season was just dire. You know, performances were were beyond poor at times. Um, it, it's just unfortunate for Gorkouf that he's gone at a point where things were starting to perhaps show a sign of turning round. Um, four consecutive wins, three in the league. Um, no goals conceded, only three, you know, three one nil wins, but wins a win. Um, so it doesn't look great timing wise because it doesn't look like he'd started something else. But don't let the results fool you, they were still very, very poor. You know, they were really poor performances. There was never a sense of Ren controlling those games, There's always a sense of you know, the opposition are going to score, it's just when. Um, so the change was, I think, probably long overdue. Um, writing was on the wall, obviously, when Rene Ruello uh, left his post as president and Latang came in. Um, and then there was the, the red herring that fooled everybody, including some um, uh, some journalists at the highest level, um, with everybody you know, announcing, yep, Galtier is going to be appointed. And then the slightly left-field appointment of Lamushi, who... Uh, Again, it just—it's a classic Wren managerial appointment. It just feels you know, a little underwhelming. It seems like there was potential for a bit of stability that could have been brought in from Galtier. Nothing exciting, but stability. Um, and they've gone for Lamushi. I mean, it could turn to be an inspired decision, but it's one that's left me scratching my head slightly. Mm, yeah, it, it smells of risk, doesn't it? Really. Um, uh, let's talk about football briefly, at least, anyway. Uh, Jez, about the the issues that really came up against Gorkov. I mean, last season, you could argue, is one of those ones where we were bedding in. I mean, there were a number of French sides baying for him when he did leave Algeria, but a number of different offers came in for him, and it was Ren who kind of won out almost, but they didn't really win anything in in the end. What, what, what really led to his downfall there? Was he just... Um, did he not really have a system that worked? Did he not really embed the players especially this summer that that needed to be uh, embedded with the with the new signings because there was plenty of them and plenty of talent that that we were all excited about at the start of the season yeah i think um like for most of the season i've been saying i think he he should go um the more i think about it the more i feel slightly sorry for him in that it feels like rena kind of pretty much overhauling their squad every summer and then not giving um, not necessarily giving managers enough time to to do anything with them. Um, if you know, if this was, if this is, if this summer was the first time it was kind of his squad that was put together, then he hasn't been given too long to um, 
to kind of really make them into an effective team and arguably three wins in a row um whether it was impressive performances or not at least that's kind of it gives an indication that things are starting to turn around so it does seem like a strange timing in that way but i just i think that gokov just he seems in, he in the last couple of years he seemed ex- increasingly spiky um taking defeats with a lot less grace than he used to um the football hasn't necessarily been the most entertaining at least with Lorient like win or lose it was it was attractive football to watch and I think Ren did spend a hell of a lot of money this summer um they didn't buy necessarily a top class striker which is always important but with the investments they made you despite the the need for a betting in period you did, you did expect them to be doing better than they have done and i'm not saying that, that that's a complete factor in in him leaving but possibly the fact that not have done so well with so little um possibly didn't help his cause either because sort of just down the road the big rivals are highlighting how effective you can still be without spending millions hmm. um yeah, I, ju- I just feel like a new, um, a new directorship or a new president. They're gonna, they're gonna want to do their th- things their way. Gorkuf is sort of old school, particularly old school Ren from years back. Um, uh, slightly unlucky, but certainly um, at least partly at fault himself as well. Yeah, it felt like a. A sort of a lackadaisical approach. The the team never really clicked in any in any fashionable way, and that sort of eventually led to him losing his job. But we, I mentioned it very briefly, really, when we when we mentioned his name, Rich in, in Lamushi, that it's it's a it's a risk certainly, and it's a, you mentioned it's very much of a a Ren move. Can can he resolve this puzzle? Really, I mean, it's a big step up. I mean, the the last job he held was. The Ivory Coast, and he got them to the world. Well, the last big job, at least, he got them to the to the World Cup and, and eliminated in a, a medium strength group. I mean, they lost to Greece in the final game, which isn't really a tough opponent for the quality that Ivory Coast had at that time with with Torre and and, and Drogba, especially. But he went out to Saudi Arabia for the last and the UAE for the last couple of years managing there. It's it's a tough ask, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's the unknown unknown. Um, it's the unknown, really. I think with him, I, I, I genuinely don't know what I'm expecting. Um, it's not a name anybody. I don't, I don't think anybody was expecting. I don't think he was particularly linked with the job at all. Uh, and then all of a sudden, announced. We were all. You know, everybody was prepared for feeling, and and all of a sudden, oh, he's announced. Um, so it's taken everyone a little bit by surprise. Um, as I say, I really don't know what to expect. Um, you know, Latang is a is a whatever people think of him. He's 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 operated um, at, you know at a pretty successful level. So you know, I'm not going to deny that he's 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 going to be clueless in what he's uh, what he's brought in to to coach the side. Um, so. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, there needs to be a, a an up, um, an increase in the quality of play. It's been incredibly stodgy all season. Um, 
It's not been helped by, there's been quite a few injuries. Um, you know, Ismail Asar was the big signing in the summer. He's picked up a knock that's going to keep him out until the new year. Um, but there's going to have to be, a, a you know, a, an uptake in that quality of play because it's been times. So in, in that context, I suppose it's not going to take a great deal to um, to change that because, you know, th- there's a team now that are grinding out the performances in terms of results. It's just the quality of play that needs improving. So um, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm remain optimistic about it. I'm playing on the fact that, you know, I don't know much about him from a managerial perspective. Obviously, I saw him play and he was a, you know, he played at a decent level, but I don't know what I'm expecting as a manager. And so I'm trying to to stay on the positive side of that. Um, so I'm trying to keep open-minded, um, but I've become, a, you know, quite accustomed to, to disappointment being a, a Red fan. Yeah, it is a strange one, but the, the, the more... Um, quantifiable at least maybe is the best way to put it move was was the move for for Le Tank to take over really and maybe change the way that the club has been running the last couple of years or so uh, just do you think he might bring a better game plan for the future of this club I mean they spent quite a lot of money in the summer which was a a big change for for Ren really that they don't tend to spend enormous amounts but they spend a lot on players like Sar and uh Mawasa, do you think having someone like Letang, who obviously has that experience from from Paris Saint Germain, over to this club might give them a, a better stead for the future? Uh, possibly. I mean, he certainly wasn't the most popular character at PSG, but at least, as Rich said, it shows that he's worked at the the very top level. Um, I, I mean, on paper, you'd think that the the sort of outgoing administration would would know how to how to run the club as well. Um, I I don't know what it is there because um, you know it's it's a it's a big club with a, a decent history, certainly a, a fantastic history of bringing through um, you know very talented players that have gone on to to greater things. Um, I, d- I don't know what the issue is, and I, I think it's it's definitely worth kind of starting from scratch with with a with new people in charge and, and seeing what they can do. But even the way that that's happened with the you know the sort of abortive takeover two weeks ago, and um, that then you know every it seemed a done deal everyone was reporting it suddenly it wasn't happening after all then two weeks later it has happened but um with a completely left field choice as as coach um it kind of, it doesn't bode well but yeah letong Le is sort of relatively talented and and experienced in what he's doing um lamushi yeah, the the jury's out. He hasn't done anything spectacular yet, but um, I'm not sure that that Ivory Coast squad is necessarily the the easiest to coach either. And he did get them to the World Cup, um, so it could be an interesting appointment. Um, I just hope that he's given the chance by by the powers that be, but also by by the Ren fans. I did see um, uh, Bastien, who's a who's a sort of a regular tweeter and a Ren fan say that you can imagine if if Lamushi 
changes the the starting lineup in their next match completely. Everyone's going to go mad, saying it's ridiculous. It's making wholesale changes. You can't do that. You've got to walk before you can run. And if he doesn't make any changes, everyone's going to say, well, if he's going to do that, what's the point of getting rid of Gorkuf in the first place? Um, you know, I'm certainly not saying. I'm certainly don't want to offend Rich, and I'm certainly not saying that Ren fans are anything like, say, Marseille fans, but. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, give, give him a chance to see what he can do. Mm. You're not going to be in any danger of relegation or anything like that. Um, you know, even if it's a good 18 months or so before anything exciting happens, just just um, wait and see what he can do. And give the, give the squad a chance. Don't completely overhaul the squad in the summer again because, you know, I know Monaco do it and we've spoken about that numerous times, but they're doing it in a very different way for... Um, for different motives, basically to make a hell of a lot of money. Whereas when, when Ren do it each summer, they're not necessarily making fortune on the players they sell. I'm not really sure why why they need to kind of completely change their squad from one year to the next. Yeah, and like we've mentioned, there's a few really good players that they have brought in this summer. Let's embed them, let's work around them, and then maybe build a team that can start competing at the right end of the table, at least for the European places, at least, with each other. Let's hope that they they can do that. We'll, we'll finish this evening with, with one last topic, and it, it, we'll keep this as a little bit brief. But uh, just a, uh, well, just over a week after the, the kick heard around the world, we'll call it, uh, Patrice Evra is no longer a Marseille player. Uh, Rich, this was the only likely outcome, really, wasn't it? I mean, he was barely a Marseille player before yeah. his contract. <laughs> but, no, it absolutely was. I mean, whatever the reasons were, whatever provocation that he got, it's 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 surely rule one hundred and one of being a professional footballer. Fans, you can't. Um, so I think the moment that that lengthy UEFA ban came out, there had to be. There was no other option. Absolutely no other option. Than to um, to cancel his contract. Um, it's to be perfectly honest, it's not going to leave Marseille in any major problems. Um, you know, we've we've spoken at length as, as to how poor he's been, not only this season, but I think it goes back to last season as well. But especially this season, he, it's been incredibly poor to see. Um, you know, you don't know whether to feel sad for for someone who's had such a you know, sort of trophy-laden career to be finishing like this, or whether you, you know, might find it funny that it's perhaps a little bit of, um, you know, a bit of a well-deserved um, reality check for someone like Evra. But no, in terms of the decision, he had to go. Um, you know, dreadful thing to do. Um, but I think Marseille are not going to lose any sleep about it. And, and more importantly, Jez, do you think this is the end of the Frenchman's career? Um, I think it probably is at the, at the very highest level. Um, he says that he, he's had loads of offers around Europe and, and he wants to carry on. I think if he if he does carry on, I'd, I'd expect it more likely to be somewhere like um, the Middle East or China. I'm not sure that – or lower divisions, but I can't see him um, – going to any club at a, a decent level in Europe anymore. Um, on, on the kick itself, yeah, he definitely had to go. But the only thing I would say, and it's certainly not in his defence, is 
you know, Zidane head, headbutts someone and the whole nation still loves him because of what he's done. Benzema, um, if he'd been scoring match in, match out for France, everyone would have, everyone rather than sort of half the country would be um, still saying, oh, he made a mistake. It's because of his dodgy friends letting back into the team. If Evra had been playing very well for Marseille, I'm sure that a lot of the scandalized Marseille fans would have found a, a way to forgive him because we're all as football fans extremely fickle. Um, but he was playing absolutely terribly, so it felt like um, you got the impression that there were some Marseille fans who were relieved that he did something like this as it was a perfect way to get rid of him. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say there wasn't uh, too many not disappointed, at least in uh, in the in the white and blue of Marseille that he did leave. I, I, I tweeted at the time, I think the only disappointed um, people for, for his contract being cancelled are the other attackers of other league and teams. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly feels like that. But I, th- I think you made a good point there, Jez. Obviously, the one we harken back to as, uh, as, as English viewers is the one of Eric Cantona, that he was sort of welcome back with open arms because he was a fantastic footballer. Um, if Evra was maybe of that quality, would he be fired? It's another question for another day, I think. Well, but... United fans do love Evra more than most. And yeah. I have a friend who's a United fan who, who did message me and say, you know, we didn't that Cantona. To which I replied, Cantona was still a footballer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a strange one. I, I'm, Disappointed it ends this way, really, for at least at a, a top flight level, really, for, for Patrice Evra, because he's been an excellent footballer. He was magnificent at Manchester United. And there were some great stories, really, before this. I mean, the fact that he learned Korean to help Park Ji Sung settle in at Old Trafford was, was a magnificent story. And they're still great friends to this day. The fact that at Juventus, you could see the adoration players like Pogba and others had for uh, Uncle Pat and we hoped that would be the scene, even if he wasn't playing as a regular anymore at Marseille, that his experience and his leadership would would be the be the factor for that team that were lacking so much of it. I mean, it's just a shame that now, much like a lot a generation of, of fans will remember Zinedine Zidane for that headbutt, a, a number of generation of fans will remember Petrice Ever, not for the wonderful things and the amazing achievements he had, but for that one moment of madness that... Uh, it always seems to happen to French players, doesn't it? I don't know. I, I mean, I'd, I'll remember him for neither of those things. I remember him for several of the other horrible things that he did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I have absolutely no sympathy. I'm definitely more with the finding it very funny side than the feeling sorry for him side. Yeah, and that's that's fair enough. That, there's always two sides to every story, I think, at least anyway. That, that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Jez, and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the preview show, which is back on Thursday, and the main show will be back at the same time, same place, next week. Happy Anto, and goodbye. <laughs>